Well, good morning, good morning. 23 years ago, remember the turn of the century? Y2K, everybody was panicking. That was 23 years ago. I told my wife, leave my $23 in the bank. We're good. Remember everybody was panicking? Oh, man. 23 years. Did it go by fast? Well, I am so glad to see each one of you in the new year. On behalf of all of our pastors and the elders, I just want to clap for you, Abundant Life. You have been faithful. We've gone through a lot. God is faithful, isn't he? Can't, can't you look back in 22 and see his goodness? No matter what circumstance, he is still sovereign. Am I right? Is he awesome? Is he worth praising? Oh, hallelujah. Let me, uh, let me pray real quick. Because Jason says I'm on the clock. Let me pray. <laughs> Father, we thank you for a new year. Your mercies are new every morning. My heart is filled with joy. I almost want to cry. Oh, my God. You're so good. I just want to cry and praise you. There is no one like you. The atheists will bow down one day. The atheists of the past, the atheists of the present, and the atheists of the future will bow down and say that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And, and yet, you gave us this beautiful gift of salvation. And abundant lifers get to praise you now. We do not take that for granted. Jason preached, let's never get comfortable in your awesomeness and how awful that we come into your presence without thanksgiving, without reverence. May it never be so this year. May abundant lifers come into this building and remember that you are God all by yourself, and that you deserve our worship and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, forgive me. I just love him so much. He is my king. He is my shepherd. We've been through a lot, but I look to the Lord for when my help comes from. I love when Jeremiah said, cursed is the man who puts his trust in puny man. Won't we disappoint each other? Don't look for me. I'm going to disappoint you. Don't look to Pastor Valerie or Pastor. He, we will disappoint you. But God is our refuge. He's our ever-present help. I like when David said, he's my shepherd. I don't know about you, but I'm like, can you say he's my shepherd? Do I have a witness? Amen. All right, Jason. I know Jason said, man, you got 20 minutes. Uh, Jason called me and he said, let's worship God today. Let's, let's do a few more songs and worship him. And he says, can you give a short message? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> you asked the right person this time. I says, what I'll do is I'll tell abundant lifers what I ritually do every new year. And what I personally do, you know, it's the new year. So let me just think about 2022, some Americans or people all over the world made resolutions in 2022. They probably fell by March, but they made them. I made mine and it's still here. It's, I wanted to lose weight, I grab it, it's still here. 
Um, and no matter what you goals you have reached, whether financial, relational, or losing weight like myself, your emotions might be all over the place in the 20, coming into the new year. But what I focus on in the new year is three things. And the title of this message is called What's New? And what I focus on is the new covenant. I focus on my new nature and I focus on my new spirit. See, those things are foundational. It doesn't matter how I feel about them. It is God's word and his truth. And so what I want to do today is do a hang in there with me because it's going to be really fast. And I submit to you that each one of these points deserves a sermon in themselves to go deep. But I will challenge you as my brothers and sisters, if you so inclined, to do these personal Bible studies on these truths in the Bible, the new covenant, the new creation, and the new spirit on your own. Ask the Holy Spirit, your teacher, your counselor, to give you illumination and revelation on these things. I've been doing this for the past 10 years, and it has tremendously blessed me. So what's new? I want to start off about thinking about the new covenant. And I want, my text is Jeremiah 31, 33, 30, Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34. This is what it says. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judea. Not like the covenant which I made with their fathers on the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Listen to this. My covenant, which they broke. Although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and write it on their heart. I will be their God and they will be my people. They will not teach again, each one of his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, know the Lord, for they all will know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wrongdoings and their sin. I will remember no longer. Now, the other scripture in the New Testament, this was prophesied. Uh, when I turn to Hebrews 10, it says this. For since the law has but a shadow of good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered? Since the worshipers, listen to this, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. I'm going to go back to that. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. I like this. For it is impossible for the, bl the blood of bulls and goats, listen to this, to take away sins. Then it says in verse 5, consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, oh, here it goes, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired. Hmm. But a body have you prepared for me and burnt offerings and sin offerings. You have taken no pleasure. 
Then I said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scrolls of the book. I love that. I want to continue. Verse 8 says, when he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will, right? Verse 11 says this, and every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. I love it. Let me drop down to verse 15. Look how the Holy Spirit is involved in this new covenant. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness. So we have the Father giving the new covenant. We have the Son being the offering of the new covenant. And we have the Holy Spirit bearing witness. And Jeremiah, he said that the covenant was between us and man, but we broke it. This one can't be broken because it's a promise that God made with God. I love that. This is the covenant that I will make with them. He says it again. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. 17 says, here it is. I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of sins, there is no longer any offering for sin. So what I do when I get home in the month of January I go over that over and over and over again. And I compare the old covenant to the new covenant. And the main point that I love about this gift is the promise that God made with God and that it cannot be broken. Even when I am faithless, he is faithful. But my sins are remembered no more. So if I can say anything to you about when you study the new covenant, can you grasp the fact you do not have to fight over and over about your sin condition? You just can rest. And I want you to rest so much, Abundant Life. I want you to exhale and enter into God's rest. This is what he did for us with the new covenant. Now I could go deeper and deeper and deeper, but I don't have time. I don't have time. Jason said, I only got 20 minutes. I love, um, I love, I love blaming Jason. I mean, he shouldn't not have been my little brother. Okay, so sorry, sorry, sorry. So sorry, Jason. I'm going to throw you under the bus today. Just get used to it. <laughs> Hebrews 7 and 22 talks about Jesus came to establish a better covenant, Right? It says the, the shedding of his blood takes away our sins, John 1, 29. I love it. We're going we're gonna to do communion, and the communion is a remembrance of the death, burial, and resurrection. But it's about the blood, right? It's about the blood. Do you recall, if you're my age, remember the movie The Ten Commandments and Charleston? Yeah. Yeah. I used to love that movie. Now, there's... I was a little boy. Uh, there's three boys and one girl. The girl is the youngest in my family. I'm the youngest boy. And I, I love how uh, Anthony and Jason and Zeke let me tease them because, you know, I got teased. So I'm working my issues out with them. Um, <laughs> and they're so kind to let me do it. Uh, Anthony gives me a look sometimes, you know, <laughs> but um, that's my little brother still. Zeke is way bigger than me, so you know he's humble because I let him have it. He can knock me out with one punch. 
but he lets me be his big brother, and so does Jason. The blood is that Jesus shed for us ratifies this new covenant. Am I right? I remember teasing my oldest brother, Earl, when we were watching the movie, and in Exodus 12, when they took the, the event that truly happened in Exodus 12, and it was the 10th plague, and remember how they had to put the blood on the doorpost, and uh, the angel of death would pass by, and, and uh, if the blood was on the doorpost, the firstborn wouldn't die, right? Uh, and I used to go, Earl, you would be dead, <laughs> right? And I'd say, Gary, we would be safe. Earl would be dead. And my mom would get mad at me, right? And Earl would get mad. Earl, he's five years older, so he couldn't hit me because mom and dad is there, right? I go, Earl, you would be dead. Me and Gary would be safe. And Earl said, no, but mom and dad, they know Jesus. They know God. They would have put the blood over the book. And I said, yeah, but if they didn't, what if they forgot? You would be dead. And then my mom said, I would never forget something like that. So I'm putting this into the scene, right? And I remember this. And then Earl would look at me. He's five years younger. When the scene passed, when those who had the blood over the doorpost, the parents exhaled because that firstborn was still alive. And Earl would look at me and say, see, the blood worked. Deep, wasn't he deep? The blood worked. Can I ask you, did Jesus' blood work? Did it work? Then why are you still worried about your sin condition? If the blood worked, and it does work, why are you worried about your sin condition. That would be my main point if I was stuck on the covenant. Now I want to move towards um, the other thing that I meditate on, and it really blesses my soul, right? So did you get that point? The next thing I want to talk about is our new creation. Oh, man. When you do a deep dive on your new creation, it blesses your heart. Here's my notes. It says, when a person encounters Jesus Christ, and surrenders himself to the Lord, he is now a new creation. That's something that we hear a lot, and like Jason said, we take it for granted. This new birth is not a physical thing from, you can't inherit it from a parent. This new birth is from who? God himself. The creator, the one who said, let there be light. When you are born again, you are a new creation. We got a new covenant, and now we are a new creation. I've done so much deep dive on this, I'm going to fast forward it to you, to the main point. You are partakers of God's DNA. You are now his adopted son. You do have a new spirit and a new heart, and I'm fast forwarding, but you are a new creation. Do you remember the Bible where it says, the old nature have been what? Crucified. I did a deep dive. Wait a minute. I've been told I had two natures. Why do these pastors, do I got one nature or two natures? I will go up against any scholar and open up the word of God. And I'm just a regular guy like you says that my old nature was crucified. Hmm. I mean, I love finance. I'm a financial manager. Was crucified means it's gone. I have a new nature. I'm submitting to you. You don't have two natures battling. 
because one nature, the Bible says, was crucified. You're born again. You have a new nature. You are a new creation. If we were to open us up spiritually, you would see our spiritual DNA compatible with our heavenly father. We have a new nature. Please. Well, then why do we get confused? Why are we talking about the two natures? Well, I'll just let the cat out of the bag. What pastors don't tell us, not all pastors, is that we still battle with sin, but that doesn't mean that God didn't create us new. God does not create mess. He's God. So what I love about Christianity is not a self-improvement plan. Sorry. Your nature is so rotten, and my nature is so rotten, the unregenerated person, God says it can't be redeemed. Got to crucify it. Was crucified with Christ. What about this business of dying daily to self? Well, it really doesn't say that. It says pick up your cross, follow Jesus. What did Jesus do? He died once. Your new nature, we've been spiritually crucified with Christ once. It's gone. I actually, 10 years ago, had my own funeral. To keep those old things have passed away. The old nature is now dead, right? Then why do I still sin, Lord? Well, sin still dwells in this earthly tent. It is a parasite. You can study it in Romans 5, 6, and 7. You can read about it when God said to Cain, why are you so upset? I mean, if you would have had the same sacrifice as your brother, wouldn't I be satisfied? Then he said, and I think it's Genesis 4, 3 or 4. He says, be careful, Cain, because sin is crouching at the door. James, if I told you, be careful, there's a pit bull around the corner. Would you think that pit bull was you? Sin is not you. It is a parasite that dwells in us that uses our, our intellect, our will, to go against God's will. I mean, Paul even said, if I do the things that I want to do, but I don't do them, it is no longer I, right? Read it. But it is sin. I know it's kind of hard to grasp your mind around it, but take your time. I've been doing this for 10 years. It's revolutionary in your walk with Christ. It is a parasite that wants, it's almost like I said before, if a fingernail, if a nail is stuck in my finger, it's in me, but it's not me. I'm not going to cut off my whole finger because, the, you know, it's the, the, the splinter is in me. Sorry, not a nail, but a splinter. It's the same thing. Sin is crouching at your door, and it, it wants to devour you, God said to Cain. So what Paul says in Romans 5, 6, and 7, listen, now that you're born again, now that your old nature has been crucified, and you are a new nature, he says, count yourself dead to sin. Count yourself dead to it. That's what we have to do. We don't remember that we need to count ourselves dead to sin. I don't want to sound too morbid. When my father passed away in 2020, I was with his body by myself, grieving. You know, I'm looking at my dad, this strong man who's now in heaven, but I'm looking at his body. And I, after I was grieving, I just kept looking at his body. And this scripture came to me. Don't think I'm weird. I am a little weird, but don't think I'm too weird. But when this scripture came to me and I said, I could scream at my dad right now, no response. 
I can say, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do this? No response. I can say, dad, let's go, let's go. No response because he's dead. And God said to me at that very moment, that's what I want you to be to sin. When hatred comes, I'm dead to that thought. When gossip comes, I'm dead to that thought. When lust comes, I'm dead to that thought. That's what it means to be dead to sin. And that is the victory. And that's what Paul was talking about when I think about my new nature. That's the main point I want you to hear about that. Now, I'm getting ready to close, Jason. I know, I know. The new spirit. Don't you love the new heart, the new spirit? And then God says, this is in Ezekiel 36 when Ezekiel was talking about this newness that's coming in the new year, when I focus on my new heart and my new spirit, I get so excited because now the Holy Spirit dwells in me and he will never leave me nor forsake me. And now I'm his temple. One last point, though, I wanted to make about being dead to sin. In Romans 6, I believe, or 7, Paul says, we are no longer even slaves to sin anymore but we are slaves to righteousness. And the only reason why I brought that up is because my new heart now has new desires. I do not have a stony heart like the pagan and the unbeliever. Romans 1 talks about that stony heart, how they go their own way, and God has just turned them over to a reprobate mind. When he says that he will give us a new heart of flesh, it means that our heart now is in line with the desires of God. That's why when you and I sin, it doesn't feel good. This is why we should be convicted, because now we are his adopted sons and daughters. We have now are the light of the world, and he loves us. Powerful to me, very powerful. This new heart I can trust. I know a lot of people call you a dirty worm and woe is me. Don't it sound spiritual? But I, it's not. I, I want to show you something. Excuse me. I don't want us as leaders anymore I'm calling out our leaders now, and I'm calling out you, Abundant Life. I want you to dig deep into this new nature, your new identity, the new covenant. Take three months. Dig deeper. Come to me and say, hey, you were wrong about that, and let's open up Scripture together. And here's what I'm saying. Oh, you were right about it. Praise God. But I believe that God wants to take Abundant Life deeper into the things of God. I am tired of us staying on milk I want us to go to some meat. I want us to worship like we've never worshiped before. I want us to study like we've never studied before. I want us to love each other like we've never loved before because we are his representatives on this earth. But the main thing I want you to do is calling out your leaders first. Let's stop saying what God doesn't say about us. Here's what I mean. It sounds good to say we're sinners saved by grace. Romans 5 and 8 says, God demonstrated his love that yet while you were sinners, he sent his son to die for us. I don't know about you, but were means that it's no longer that I'm no longer that. I understand why we say that. It sounds spiritual, but it's not. Satan is not stealing my identity anymore. I'm no longer a sinner. I am a saint. What, what, what does it mean to be a saint? It means that you are holy and set apart for God's purposes. So I checked the scriptures myself. I wanted to see if Paul or any of the apostles was calling you a sinner after you were saved. Check this out. 1 Corinthians 1. This is how he addresses the church. 
to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. He didn't say called to be sinners. It called to be saints. That's 1 Corinthians. He started out his letter. That's 1 Corinthians 1. Let's do the 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 1. I'm just going to do a few. Hmm. This is how he starts again. To the church of God that is in Corinth with all the saints. Okay. He doesn't call you a sinner. I'm not going to call you one. Um, Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, 1. All right. To the saints at Ephesus. You are faithful. I could go to Philip, Philippi, but I'm, he calls you saints. Can I call you saints? You are, don't let nobody steal your identity. I know we get the whole sin thing confused. Tell somebody that Romans 5 says we should be dead to sin, that we don't practice sin. You know, when I was a basketball player, I practiced a lot. I got good at it. Look, not good enough to, you know, be Steph Curry, but good enough to be on varsity. I don't practice that anymore. Saints, you should not be practicing living a sinful lifestyle. You are now a slave of righteousness. Start being who you are. Jason, you can come up. So these are the three things that I I personally do um, in the new year. I look at the new covenant. I look at my new nature. I look at who God calls me. He calls you and me saints. I'm a child of God. I'm partakers of his DNA. I'm a royal priesthood, and so are you. So leaders at Abundant Life and Abundant Lifers, rebuke us when we call you a sinner. I know it sounds good that we're broken, blah, blah, blah. We're broken and all of that. We're not broken. We're not broken. We were. We're we're not unregenerate. We're his children. We're his children. Don't let Satan steal our identity anymore. Be a light in this dark world. Walk in love. The Bible says be holy like your father. You're set apart for his purpose. Let's be dead to sin and let's relax. Let's have grace when we fall short. Let's not walk in a lifestyle of sin. If you're in a lifestyle of sin, get out of it. But you're still his child. You're just disobedient. And what I love most Where is Jason? I'm scared of Jason. What I love most, even though he's my little brother, here's what I want to say, though. If you go back and read Jeremiah, here's the kicker about the beautiful gospel message. A lot of times we, and I love when Valerie was talking about his immutable quality of love, and I talked about his holiness. I'm going to end with this. I have learned after 50 years, this would be my 50th year, January 13th, of being saved. What I learned, though, And I get why it happens, because we're so selfish. We actually start the gospel message about us being sinners, which is okay. But we never start the gospel message, and I'm starting to do it, and it's working. I like when Valerie talked about God is love, and I talked about God is holy. It's his unchangeable character. We never start start the gospel message about God's holiness and how much he loves you, but he cannot tolerate you and look at you in your sinful state. And so he sends his son to die for you so that he can have a relationship with you. Now you're reconciled to him and it pleases him. We make it about us too much. That's why I love abundant life because it's about Jesus and Jesus alone. 
But the beauty of the gospel message is about the glory of God, that this holy being who is transcendent and is not like anything you've ever imagined, he cannot tolerate wickedness. And so what he does is he sends his only begotten son to take our place. It's about God. Thank you.